presented by the Coalition to Protect America's Regional Airports. Good morning, everyone. I'm Playbook co-author Eugene Daniels. It's Tuesday, July 11th. Here's what's driving the day, starting off overseas with a bit of a surprise where you have Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan on Monday agreeing to drop his own resistance to Sweden joining the NATO alliance. NATO is having a summit that is starting today. President Biden is there. He is going to be meeting with a bunch of these world leaders. And this was something that he has been pushing for, the administration has been pushing for, and obviously other NATO countries have been pushing for as well. Turkey, Sweden, and NATO met together. And when I talked to a White House official Monday night, what I was told was that the agreement was with those three countries. Um, (laughs) When I was trying to figure out how much pressure the White House, the United States, was putting on Turkey, what they did point out, and what we should also point out is There have been consistent conversations for weeks on this. You have President Biden meeting with Swedish prime minister in America, talking to Recep Tayyip Erdogan on the phone on his way overseas over the weekend, a meeting with the secretary general and President Biden here in America. So a lot of pressure. It was called a full court press to me. This is a big deal. And we will have to see how Russia's president, Vladimir Putin, reacts. That is the one thing at this point that we have not seen or heard. And today begins basically was the final road to passage for the National Defense Authorization Act. Obviously, a must-pass bill. Typically, it always does. There's always a little drama for almost every bill nowadays. But I've talked to multiple people who say they're more worried than usual. The House Rules Panel will meet today before it heads to the full House. There have been more than 1,500 amendments. Some of them, a lot of folks would call controversial, a lot of very conservative ones. Some that deal with abortion, some that deal with medical care for trans troops. And joining me to discuss the NDAA battle in the House is senior defense reporter Connor O'Brien. Connor has covered this over and over again, budget and appropriations bill, so he's the perfect person to talk to. Good morning, Connor. Morning. What is the central issue here? There are a lot of, I think, more than 1,500 amendments, many that are controversial, especially for the Democratic Party. So that seems to be kind of what might be gumming up the works this time around. So 1,500 and counting amendments are headed into the House Rules Committee. They're going to meet to whittle that down to several hundred probably that get onto the floor. And yeah, you're right. There are a number of conservative Republican proposals that are that are giving Democrats some heartburn. This is a bipartisan bill. Not everybody likes everything in it, mm. but it did get out of the House Armed Services Committee last month in a 58 to 1 blowout. The NDAA is one of the few major bills that reliably, you know, gets through the process and becomes law each year it has for more than six decades. But yeah, Democrats are concerned that there are some proposals out there limiting the Pentagon's abortion policies that were aimed at making it easier for troops and dependents to travel to other states to get abortions after Roe v. Wade was overturned. Republicans want to overturn that. So there's a distinct possibility that that's going to be a vote on the floor, and that could be a tight one. Republicans have put out amendments to significantly limit diversity, equity, inclusion programs and training at the Defense Department, limiting things like climate change efforts, 
perhaps placing limits on medical treatment for transgender troops. So I think the question is, how conservative can Republicans make that bill without Democrats jettisoning their support? Yeah, I mean, and one of the things I think that is really fascinating here and that kind of in all of these is what's going on with the House Speaker, Kevin McCarthy, right? No speaker wants to be the one who can't get this onto and off of the floor with enough yes votes to pass. But he is consistently having to thread the tiniest little needle with a big ass thread on how can he appease those members of his conference and at the same time making sure that this bill gets across the finish line. So I guess talk to me a little bit about how he is trying to figure this out with his conference and making this bill a thing. That is a tough needle of thread in a house where you can only lose four Republicans and still pass a bill with your own votes. I think it's commonly accepted that Republicans are going to need at least some Democratic votes. The alternative there is to pass this bill with only Republican votes, getting people who have probably never in their career, perhaps, voted for a defense bill. Right. You know, right. Uh, like, you know, your Marjorie Taylor Greens, your Chip Roy's, Thomas Massey. That's going to be a tough thing to do. And so I was actually talking to the chairman of the House Armed Services Committee, Mike Rogers. He carries with him. And my colleague, Joe Gould, and I noted this in our story about McCarthy and the NDAA a couple of weeks ago. He keeps all the no votes from the last NDAA in a <laughs> just printed out just in his pocket, keeps it in his jacket pocket. And he obviously noted there are people on both parties that voted against the final bill, but 35 Republicans voted against the compromise bill at the end of last year. And he said maybe 25 of those you would never get to vote for a defense bill no matter what you put in. I believe what he said was, and I'm paraphrasing here, that the bill could include a cure for cancer and they wouldn't vote for it. <laughs> That's a tough thing. And I think it's clear that they're going to have to give some red meat to conservatives. But, you know, I think there's a legitimate question of if they put a ban on medical treatment for transgender troops on the floor or if they put really restrictive abortion language on the floor. Do those have the votes just to be attached to the bill? I'm not so sure. I think there's a warning sign, a potential cautionary tale for going too far to the right about what that'll mean on the floor. Yeah. Well, sir, you have a lot, a lot of work to do as this kind of works itself out throughout the week. So thank you so much for talking to us and, and good luck. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. And for your schedule today, the Senate and the House are both in. President Biden is in Lithuania. He's going to be meeting with the president of Lithuania. He's going to be meeting and taking that family photo with the heads of states and government over there, along with a meeting of the North Atlantic Council with the heads of state and government with Sweden. So lots going on, lots to talk about after Sweden is allowed into NATO and Politico is hosting an event this morning at 8.30 with my girl and Playbook co-author Rachel Bade to discuss everything we know about the FAA Reauthorization Act ahead of the September 30th deadline. She'll be joined by D.C.'s delegate Eleanor Holmes Norton and other stakeholders to dig into questions like what could get dropped from the final bill and how will reauthorization reshape the FAA's priorities and authorities. Go to political.com right now to register so you can watch. I'm Eugene Daniels. Thanks for listening. There is no time to waste. 
Congress must pass a clean FAA reauthorization bill without delay. Yet a Delta-backed group is derailing passage of the bill by pushing to change the DCA slot and perimeter rules that will increase flight delays and cancellations. Efforts to change the rules have delayed FAA reauthorization in the past and threatened to do so again. Learn more at www.protectregionalairports.com. Paid for by the Coalition to Protect America's Regional Airports.